So the youth events, 14 years in a row. Last couple of years, it was in the Czech Republic. It was in Poland. It was in Ireland. And then uh, the last two men's was in uh, Prague in the Czech Republic. And then la- and this a few weeks back in Bosnia. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Episode 66, John Knight, World Championship Fly Fishing Competitions. Hello and welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Kurt Linville. Today's subject is fly fishing, but not just your ordinary fly fishing. We're talking about competitive fly fishing. I'm excited to have with us today the U.S. International Organizer for the World Fly Fishing Championships coming to the U.S. in 2015 and 2016. John Knight moved to Colorado way back in 1990 from Little Rock, Arkansas. He married and now has two teenagers. They live in the Vell Valley And he's had more wonderful fly fishing stories and experiences than we could possibly cover in this show. But we're glad to have him here. John, will you tell us more about yourself? Well, Kurt, thanks for having me on. Again, John Knight, and I am the U.S. organizer. I'm 47 years old and have lived in the Vell Valley since 1990. About 12 years ago, I got uh, deeply involved into the fly fishing community. And my first introduction into fly fishing was through competitive fly fishing, of all things. That has led us down a wonderful road where we've had met many, many friends, traveled to many locations, and certainly it's expanded our life in such a way that we are, I think, much better people. Um, for the people we've met and the experiences we've had has allowed us to, to grow our children around this industry. We feel very fortunate uh, to be part of it. I think that some people have the conception that fly fishing is kind of the grandpa sport, but I do fly fishing. My son does fly fishing. I've been to some of your competitions, and it's not grandpa's sport. This is um, pretty adventurous stuff, actually. Why would you encourage people to take up fly fishing, and uh, where's the adventure in it? You know, the the adventure, certainly every time you go on the river. Um, I've had a few years where I actually uh, got to guide and, and learn more about people on the river. And I found that there's certainly a, uh, a traditional Western method where people essentially went out as, you know, a grandpa sport and stood there and just hoped a fly would swim by their rig and, and by chance occasionally just hit their fly. And what I learned through my friends and, and through the comp world is you're on the move. You hunt, you hike around the river. You know, I like to say if the water's hard to get to, it's better fishing. So I say, you know, certainly you're going to meet a lot of fun people and you're going to have these good friends you fish with. But when you go to a different town, a different county, a different state, even a different country, you're speaking the same language in fly fishing. Um, recently, just in Bosnia, uh, just three weeks ago, couldn't speak a word of their language, nor did they speak English, but we had a common language in fly fishing allowed me to get on the water. And then I hiked for miles and miles up and down this, this river in Bosnia, the Ribnik, and um, had just a wonderful time, met tons of uh, you know, local townspeople and, and had a really wonderful time. So I tell people, certainly, you know, go out and get a guide and, and learn the basics to start fishing, but then don't ever stand in one spot. Move around. 
not move around only on the, the water that you're fishing at that moment, but move around the different rivers in your area and outside of your area, because that's what I think the sport's more about. You know, I was a controller at your America's Cup championship last summer, and on the beat that I was helping to control, I was watching the fishermen in the water, and this was a strong current. At times, the water was up to his chest, and he worked that water. He worked that beat. He was moving so much and working so hard that I was surprised he could he could stand up for the three hours that he was there. I mean, it was an amazing amount of effort, a very athletic event. It's not the kind of fishing that most people imagine. No, absolutely. You know, the, 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 the traveling with Team USA recently, these guys are, are fit. They are truly training for their sport. Um, with competitive fly fishing, you typically have a, a time period in which you are uh, allowed to score your, your points. And um, often that's three hours. So you might have two, even 300 yards of water where you're going up and down, fishing every hole, running back and forth, certainly catching a fish, bringing it back to that volunteer controller to measure. And it's it's very physical. And what's great is, is, is finally at the America Cup, certainly with you participating in it, you saw this. Um, not only are we getting these gentlemen and, 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 and grown-ups, but we also are getting a lot of participation from the youth side, um, the 14 to 19-year-old range. And seeing these kids... Um, who are more fit than the 45-year-olds pumping up and down the river. We've had the youth team actually win the American Cup a couple times, um, beating all these men that are twice their age. And it's really great to see that youth athleticism and, and, and passion coming back to the sport. And, um, you know, when you talk about America, we're a competitive country from kickball and, and football and all of our sports that we grow up with. Uh, to, to watching, you know, everything on TV, we're finding some more people starting to entertain fly fishing because it's it can be competitive, and competitive isn't a bad thing. It actually brings your skill up. Even if you go skiing with somebody or mountain biking, and that person's riding a little bit ahead of you, you pick up the pace, and you become a better biker or a better golfer with your friends. And so certainly through competition, um, and, and, and certainly light competition, not, not heavy stuff, uh, anglers become better through this method. And it's something that I see the industry finally getting what's going on, that competitive fly fishing isn't about dollars and about money and about the competition. It's still about camaraderie and your friends and, uh, and becoming part of the sport that you love. I had my eyes opened up by my son, Daniel, who fishes. Uh, because in my mind, I would throw a couple of flies out. If the fish didn't take it, I'd say, well, they're not rising, or the fish aren't interested today, or maybe the weather's wrong, and I'd move on. But Daniel taught me, no, it's because you're throwing the wrong fly. You don't have the right technique. You need to change out to, you know, maybe a, a nymph or, or a streamer, or maybe you need a dry dropper, and uh, you're laying the line on the water the wrong way. You're spooking the fish, and over time, I began to see that he was catching fish when no one else was. And I said, you know what? He's on to something, and I've learned so much by watching him grow in the sport. And there's so much to learn. It's a vast, vast amount of knowledge out there that people can learn about fly fishing. No, I, I absolutely agree. One of the things that, that keeps it fresh and new for me every time I go on the river is the puzzle. You know, the puzzle of, of what am I going to put on? You know, what is what is hatching or what am I trying to match to where am I going to drift that fly? This seam behind the rock, in front of the rock, heavy water, slow water, deep, light. Am I going to fish dries and nymph or am I going to throw streamers? It, I enjoy 
the the puzzle and and working out the solution on the river. You know, the, it's the old story of uh, when you're learning to fly fish, you, you just want to catch one fish. And after a while, you, you, you want to catch a lot of fish. And after you catch a lot of fish, well, you want to catch a really big one. And from there, you want to catch a lot of really big fish. <laughs> but really, the fifth step in fly fishing is you, you no longer care if you catch the fish or not. It's really just being on the water and experiencing the tranquility and the peacefulness of the river. And catching a fish at that point is just a bonus. Um, so I think that's a that's a fun little story for folks. Oh, that's awesome. You know, that brings us right into our next question. Can you tell us a story of an amazing experience that got you hooked on fly fishing? Now, i, I got to preface this. When you moved to Colorado, you were a climber. So that's a pretty adventurous, extreme sport. And uh, now you've found a love in fly fishing. So maybe you can contrast some of that for us. Absolutely blame my entire fly fishing career on my wife. Um, <laughs> my wife, Jody, who's our volunteer coordinator for all these uh, fishing events. I think it was 2005, Jody uh, was online. It's the end of the winter. And uh, I had a 15-year IT career that was very stressful. And I had a little high blood pressure. And one of the doctors said, you know, fly fishing would be a good thing and it should relax you. And, 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 and Jody read that as well in some books. So long story short, she found a competition, a, a regional fishing event in Cody, Wyoming. And the kids were young and we'd never been to Cody, Wyoming. So uh, at the end of the winter up here in Vail, got in the car and uh, she signed me up for a, a U.S. regionals. Didn't know what that was, but they had two days at clinics beforehand. And while I was still eager to learn a lot more about fly fishing, I, we took advantage of that. So off we went, eight hours to Cody, Wyoming. And uh, Jody drops me off and I am unknown to me in the midst of, of some, some very high-end and actual world champion, uh, Vladdy, um, had come to the U.S. to help instruct the, the USA team. And this is back in, in, in 2005. Jody and the kids went to Cody, Wyoming and, and didn't get far because it turns out that the gate was still closed and we were a week early into oh, no. uh, <laughs> the park. <laughs> um, so they hung out at the Wild Bill Museum and, and things like that. But there I was introduced to the this other side of fly fishing, not the traditional Western methods and, and the traditional Western ways we have out here in the States, but these European techniques. And uh, took two days at clinics and, and learned a lot of other ways to fish other than just throw the fly and mend the line. It turns out there's a whole lot of bags of tricks um, in fly fishing. From there, um, we actually, I got to compete in the, the national or the, the regionals and the planets all aligned, and I won. Wow. And I should not have won, and it qualified me for that year's nationals as the Team Colorado captain. Way over my head. I had the rivers blew out up there. I stepped in the water and caught some fish each time, luckily, and uh, all of a sudden was way over my head and headed to Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> and and off I was in, in a few short months at, at a U.S. Nationals in, in Boulder, Colorado. Um, the magic right there is what happened. We were in a hotel next to Team Ireland. Team Ireland befriended us over bottles of Jameson and let me know that they were having a wonderful time. And why weren't there cups in the U.S.? I said, I don't know what a cup is. I, I know there's golfing cups and, and, and things, and, you know, I've, I've heard the term. He goes, well, yeah, there's a Stanley I mean, Cup. We've heard of that the one. The Stanley Cup, exactly. <laughs> and it, and it, it, uh, 
you know, it's a, it's a championship type event where the cup brings nations or, or teams together to compete. So that is where the spark of the America Cup started. Cody Wyoming into meeting these guys in the Nationals a few months later and getting this idea of, well, why can't we do an event that's not a qualifier, but a, essentially just a, an open invitation um, cup event? Um, and that's where the America Cup started. And um, Team Ireland then flew back the, the first two years of the America Cup and helped me produce that event and, and, and taught me a lot about the international process. Um, but really crazy that my wife thought I was too high strung in my IT career and got me involved in fly fishing. And, and then it was a quick trip just by chance uh, to meet these international teams and, and start that uh, start that path. Boy, sometimes the stars align, huh? <laughs> oh, man. Cody, Wyoming. Go figure. But again, these are people, Michael Drynan, who, who I met then uh, with Team Ireland, is still on Team Ireland. He's been here uh, to five different uh, events. And we saw him at the Worlds, and he'll be back next year. Um, you know, one of the things that happened with the America Cup early was I thought, well, why well, if we can do the America Cup well enough and get these international teams that keep visiting us each year, why can't we do a world championship? We have always talked about it and thought if we spent enough time in one area and grew our population base, our volunteer base, to be more knowledgeable, educate the towns, the county, and, and the area, and the certainly the agencies with Parks and Wildlife and BLM, to this championship event, um, maybe it could happen. And so through the, the, the annual success of the America Cup and certainly people as yourself coming back to volunteer and, and sharing the, the event with people allowed us the opportunity to go bid and essentially bring the championship back to the U.S. So uh, um, all started, you know, all started because uh, my, my, my wife wanted to go up to Wyoming. that's cool so the world youth fly fishing championship is being hosted by you in the vell valley area coming up here this is a 14th annual phipps moosh absolutely so um with these world championships you have to go and bid them through the phipps moosh organization phipps moosh is the international federation of fishing sports hesh being fish in french um Phipps Moosh is actually one of three arms of SIPS, C-I-P-S, the Confederation of International Fishing Sports. They have three arms, Phipps Moosh, Phipps Mare, and Phipps O. SIPS's membership is in over 120 countries and close to 50 million. They then provide all this fishery information through these national competitions in these three different arms. Phipps O is warm water, coarse fish, your bass, your crappie, your pike, uh, carp, and so on. Phipps Mare, ocean fishing. And Phipps Moosh, Moosh is fly, is the uh, fly fishing. So what um, what people have always failed to understand over here in the States is Phipps Moosh is part of a much larger organization. And that organization has a seat on the Olympic Committee, and we follow all of the Olympic rule sets as far as participation and even on the adult level next year I have to run WADA and USADA uh, blood toping testing because it is a true world championship and so there are a lot of eyes on the U.S. globally all these countries that participate in the SIPS world of, of international fishing in all three disciplines are certainly watching to see what the U.S. is going to do 
what's the quality of our water, what's the quality of our event and our production, and we're certainly in the limelight because uh, everything's supposed to be bigger and better in America. And, um, you know, we, we we're taxed with putting on a real good show. <laughs> that's so, that's so that gives you an idea of, of, of really the what's what's Phipps Moosh. Phipps Moosh is, is provides the rules, provides me the technical site agreement and the contracts in which are in place to then go and produce this event. Because I can't wing it and just start doing things my way. Um, I'm following, you know, a set rule set. So the youth events, 14 years in a row. Uh, last couple of years, it was in the Czech Republic. It was in Poland. Um, it was in Ireland. And then uh, the last two men's was in uh, Prague in the Czech Republic. And then la- and this a few weeks back in Bosnia. So this event it annually goes to a different country. And those countries bet it. If you go to the Phipps Moosh website, it lists all the previous countries and you know, everything's laid out there. Let's spell Phipps Moosh for the listeners so if they want to go to the website, they can find it. Phipps, F-I-P-S, Moosh, M-O-U-C-H-E, and I believe it is .com, but I would say just put it in your, your Google or Yahoo search bar and um, and click Phipps Moosh. Well, this sparks a ton of questions, but I think the first one I have to ask is, what is a championship like? Can you give us the skeleton of what a participant in the championship is going to go through this year. Sure. You know, let me just walk you through um, the actual youth event. Um, teams months out uh, pro- uh, send in applications, countries, that is. Um, each country is allowed to send one eight-man team. That eight-person team, because it can be boys or girls um, within the age bracket, uh, the youth events 14 to 19. That team of eight is five competitive anglers, one re- reserve, and then a captain and a manager. So we have 10 flags this year, um, which is roughly, you know, 80, 80 uh, participants in the competition side. Um, once they're accepted, they get a series of paperwork and then they come here and have official registration where we provide them an attendee gift bag. They sign a variety of waivers due to all of the different private water, um, we're on. And then they get their badges. Um, and we then have an official flag parade. That flag parade is led by a, a local personality helmet fricker, and each country has a, a flag, and, and we walk through the town of Vail, and we end up at the gondola. We go up the gondola and have a opening ceremony. That is official Phipps Moosh opening ceremony, and it's scripted, and it's echoed in French. So when I welcome everybody and wish them a good championship, I pause and then this French translator translates that because in Fitzmoosh, the official languages are French and English. From there, uh, we have the official captain's meeting and draw. The draw is where the five anglers are divided into five groups, A through E. And it's those five groups that start every morning and rotate to the different fishing areas. So what happens there? The anglers from each team that are in group A compete within group A. Person that wins the most fish points gets a one. The person that is in second place gets a two. Person in seventh place gets a seven, and so on. So at the end of it, the winner is going to be the person with the least amount of placing points. If you win your five sessions and get one, 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 you would have a score of five, and you would be the hero and <laughs> for having won all five of your sessions.
Let's talk car racks, specifically Yakima and Thule. Chances are, if you're listening to our show, you either have one, want one, or you're going to need a car rack soon. Car racks, whether on the roof or on the back, need a good set of locks to keep your gear locked down to the rack and to your car. Good news. Our new sponsor, Z-Lock, has new lock sets for all Thule and Yakima racks at about one-third less than anywhere else. These lock cores are sourced from the original manufacturer and include bonus keys. Need replacement keys or cores matched to your current lock code? Z-Lock has replacement options even if you've lost all of your keys and don't know your key number. Check this out. Z-Lock is offering Adventure Sports Podcast listeners an additional 20% off their already low prices plus free shipping. Just enter the code ADVENTURE at checkout and you'll save up to 50% off a retail. Go to zlock.com forward slash adventure. That's Z-E-L-O-C-K dot com forward slash adventure and save. Come celebrate with us August 10th through 16th as more than 100 youth from over 12 countries from around the globe travel to the Vale Valley for the 14th Annual World Youth Fly Fishing Championships. We are proud to host this Olympic-style event and to showcase the Colorado free-flowing rivers and scenic beauty for all the global competitors. You can help by volunteering to be a part of the event. For more information, go to www.wyffc2015.com or just search for World Youth Fly Fishing Championship 2015. We hope to see you there. The scoring we can talk more about, but that's the group dynamics is you're competing within your group, but then cumulatively you take all those points together and add them up um, for your team scoring. So there's an individual winner and a, uh, uh, a team winner. So then we have an official practice day where we bus our anglers out to uh, different areas, a lake and a river for them to practice on. Then the following day, we have our sessions. Sessions are three hours each. We run one from nine to noon. Um, the anglers fish from nine to noon. They have three hours. Then they will lunch at those venues provided by a variety of caterers. Then they transfer to the afternoon session, which runs four to seven. So we do that five times. And those, there's five sectors, five sessions. So each of the five anglers gets to fish each of the water. Now, some interesting things are some sectors, some water may fish better in the morning versus the afternoon and vice versa. You may have rain in the morning uh, and then in the afternoon it clears up. So the conditions are constantly changing on these guys, which is, which is part of the, Part of the drama. We then each night provide scoring. We have officials that do the scoring and we post the scoring so people know where they are. Um, we've integrated a Thursday evening where we go to the rodeo. Again, a championship's got to provide quality water, diverse water, as well as a good championship experience. And certainly here in the States, we want to promote Americana. So nothing better than a, than a big rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, so we're going to take the kids to the rodeo. Then on Friday, we have sessions four and five. Then on Saturday, we have our conservation symposium. Now, this is where we're going to bus everybody out to historic Camp Hale, located on the Nova Guides Ranch. That's at 9,200 feet. And Camp Hale is, is unique to the Vale area because it's where the 10th Mountain Division soldiers trained in the 40s. Those soldiers returned, and several of them started Vale Mountain and Aspen Mountain. And that was the kickoff to the ski industry. So it's a very important component out here. 
We're going to let everyone fish. Colorado Trout Unlimited is going to bring a couple busloads of folks up from, from Denver through their youth coordinator. And uh, we want everyone to meet and, and, and fish with these kids because they're from New Zealand and South Africa and France and the Czech Republic and Poland and Canada and, and, and such a neat group, such a diverse group, all here in, um, here in Vail for, for the week. Conservation Symposium will have speakers from Trout Unlimited, the National Forest Foundation and the Eagle River Watershed Council, all talking about local fishery needs and conservation issues, but all on topics that can be taken back and used or thought about in your country. So um, I think that's unique. Uh, it, it's, it's not going to do any good for someone to just talk about a unique fish that lives on one stream in the middle of Colorado. It's better to talk about issues that are pertinent across the globe, um, like population growth and, and you know, water being pulled from, from high mountain streams just to, just to water the golf courses and things oh, yeah. like that. Anyway, so Conservation Symposium is a great component. Everyone's invited, certainly volunteers and guests and, and the public. Um, and then that's followed by the awards ceremony. Now, the awards ceremony is the placing of medals around next, the playing of national anthems, and the raising of flags. And we're going to do that right in Vail Mountain Plaza. That's open to the public, and everyone can come up to that. It's going to be a good time. There, we then have all of our attendees and volunteers board the, the Gondola One in the in Vail Village, and we go up to Sarge's for an evening of awards. And the awards there are different from the medals. Um, this is where we can hand out rods or lines, recognize volunteers, recognize landowners, and say thank you to the many people that have helped make this event possible. Um, then the sun sets, and uh, the event ends, and then we have a farewell breakfast the next day. So, Four days of fishing, a lot of ceremonies on other side, uh, throwing in a rodeo and a neat trip up to Camp Hale uh, provides not only a, a, a fun um, American experience, it, it's showcasing Colorado and certainly showcasing uh, the watershed and diversity of the waters we have out here. Wow, that is a big event. You know, I gathered a couple of bullet points here about this whole competitive fly fishing thing. First, there's the sport itself. There's fly fishing. There's learning how to do the sport and all of the nuances and different ways that you can present the flies and catch fish. And then you get travel experiences. You you listed off all sorts of countries where you've been for these competitions in recent years. That's really appealing. You have the natural experience because you're on the water in natural settings. You're in places where the water has to be pristine or the fish can't survive. So right. you're in some of the most beautiful country on the planet. You have the competitive part of this, which hones your skills and, and helps you to become a, a better sports person. You have the international interaction, the cultural interaction, meeting people from all over the globe. Wow, this all comes together to be a, a pretty amazing opportunity. So how can people get involved with this? What if someone wants to uh, start competing with fly fishing, whether a, a kid or an adult? Sure. No, I love, I love that question. You know, um, one of the, one of the first things, if, if you're, if you're close enough to, to these events here in Colorado is to come be a volunteer. Volunteer will certainly show you the event process. I like to say if, if you and Kurt, if you and I went fishing, you're going to be 50 feet or 50 yards down or up river from me. And we're going to hoot and holler back and forth to each other when we catch fish. But if you volunteer at one of these events, you will go stream side with that angler for three hours and you'll be able to watch him and you will see his techniques. You will see how he holds his rod 
or how he addresses his fly on the water, or what's in his box. What type of tippet is he using? Why is he standing there versus over there? Why is he casting this way versus that way? Why is he nymphing versus dry flying? These championships give you a very unique opportunity to really study what's going on. And certainly everything you see, you take back to the river, share with your friends, and try on your own. Absolutely. Now, if you dig it and, you, and you're liking the friends you meet and you think, well, my gosh, you know, I was a football player and I went on the field. I don't want to have two or three plays that we're going to play. I want to have 15 or 20 plays. And that's what happens with this type of fly fishing. You all of a sudden understand that there's many different ways to catch the fish, not just one or two that you may have learned from a guide or, or you know, from a buddy. Um, it expands the possibilities of how to enjoy that water. Now, if you want to go down that path, there's several ways here in the States. Youth, for the youth, there's the USA Youth Fly Fishing Team. Um, that e can easily be Googled, and they have regional events and training clinics across the U.S., and they are headquartered in State College, Pennsylvania, and that's where they typically have their nationals. Um, and certainly, it's open to everybody. They teach kids how to tie. Um, they teach kids from, you know, from entomology and the bugs to how to be ambassadors for the sport. So one thing we haven't mentioned is how these anglers that are high-end aren't only incredible stewards for the, for the watershed they're in, they're all also uh, ambassadors for the country. And so it's neat when you go and do these clinics, you're meeting really quality young men. Look in the eye, shake your hand real solid. Yes, sir. No, sir. And let's go fishing on the water. So it's, it, it, in this day and age, you have so little of that old school manners. And, and it's nice to see that the youth coming up, certainly through these different uh, programs out here in the States, having just such wonderful manners and, 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 and certainly polite young men. So that being said, uh, yeah, you can fish different regionals. Also, for the men's, they run regionals in the same format all across the States. And you would go to the regionals, and if you do well enough, uh, you might accumulate enough points to go get a seat at nationals. And through nationals for the youth and men is where they pick the 20 that represent that team. Then the 20 on the national team fish it out, so to speak, to pick the six that will travel, uh, the five uh, main competitors and the reserve. So there's a, a hierarchy, no different than you might think uh how to get on the, the A team on a football team or how do you get on the uh, Olympic track team where well, you're going to work real hard and compete against a bunch of different people. But in doing so, you're going to make a thousand friends. You're going to see a bunch of new water. You're going to travel and you'll be able to go back to all those spots. So um, there's a lot of ways to do it. And, and even in these regionals, they often let the youth and the adults compete together. They just had one here down in uh, Georgetown and, uh, they had youth kids and adults all fishing it out. Ways to do that. And you can also contact me, uh, through the websites. And depending on where you are in the country, I can point you to different, uh, people in this industry. Wow. That's really neat. It, I think you're opening the eyes of a lot of our, our listeners right now to what fly fishing can really be. Um, it's not just a river runs through it, right? <laughs> it's, it is uh, an amazing opportunity for just really cool interactions. So, that is neat. We'll give out the web addresses and also put those in our show notes before the show is over. But before we go there, tell us a story 
about a time that things did not go right involving fly fishing and what you had to do to get through all that. Um, each year I produce one of these events, I, there's always the uh, didn't see that coming moment. Even this year, we've already had those. But one of my, one of my favorite didn't see it coming moments was, uh, I think it was 2013 with the America Cup. And again, we run that in September. And the Colorado River uh, had blown out, had essentially a, a, one of those 25-year storms where it's pulling uh, debris and, 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 and you know, logs and trees and brush, parts of fencing, you know, down the river. For me, that was an unsafe condition. And so I... Uh, hurriedly round around and found another piece of water. And I moved at literally, you know, three or four days before the event started, uh, closed to Colorado and moved us up to Black Lakes up on Vail Pass. Um, lakes t- typically don't blow out and, and Black Lake is stocked uh, several times in the summer for a uh, uh, recreational fisherman. So I did the right thing. I did the safe thing. We go up to Black Lakes for three days. And at the end of it, all the competitors called it Blank Lake. Blank, oh, lake. No. <laughs> blank lake means uh, you caught no fish. I mean, in fishing, you don't ever want to get a blank. And so everyone called it blank lake. And what I learned there was the anglers came to me and said, we understand you did it for safety. And we get that. But if it, if it, if it hadn't have been the debris in the water, we would have rather fished the Colorado blown out and brown. The international angle, anglers echoed that and said, we flew here to fish the mighty Colorado. Good or bad, that's what we wanted to fish. So what I learned there was I tried to do the good thing and the safe thing, and certainly it was for that time, but I changed the game on the anglers. They had spent months preparing and studying these different pieces of water in preparation from bug life to flow to temperature to what creeks are above it that can affect it and so on. And then I took that out from them. Oh no! And they were ill prepared for blank lake or black lake, <laughs> and um, it was a good lesson to learn. And I'm struggling with that right now. This year, uh, this year, one of the fisheries did not get its enhanced stocking as planned, and we fished it and found it very. We just caught. We spent a lot of hours on that water and caught very few fish. And I am right back into that same scenario. Do I change that water? Or do I keep it as is? Because you can still catch some fish out of there, but it's the water they prepared for. Do I move it because I think there's better water? Do I leave it because it's what they're prepared for? I don't know. My instinct is don't change the game on them. Yeah. Leave it as it is. But what do you what do you learn from that? You learn that, you know, these anglers are spending a lot of time and effort and money, time off from work, whatever, to come over here to the United States to fish you know, outside of Vail in these different waters. And I need to, you know, stick to my guns and get them, you know, keep them what they want. So that's that's one of those stories where y- your best intentions are certainly to provide the best experience for these guys and a safe experience. But at some point we say, we set it up and you fish what nature gives you. If it's a rainy blown out day, that's just the luck of the draw. If it's a beautiful week and we have no water issues, even better but we're going to fish what nature gives us. So likely everything will stay in place um, as it's set up for this year. I mean, we're only three weeks out and fish what we got. But then I've got other stories where, shoot, you know, we everyone shows up for breakfast at six and the hotels thought, well, you know, 
uh, we thought breakfast was at 7. Well, the buses leave at 7, and no one got breakfast that day. So then you <laughs> learn to talk to the F&B manager, you know, a couple of days before the event. There's always something wacky that goes on. Um, when you're up on the uh, Arkansas near Granite, it's public water. And on the middle of a session on someone's beat, a guy comes on and starts panning for gold, which <laughs> oh, stirs no. up the water and muddies it up. And we went up to him and said, would you mind going down a, a mile or two? He said, nah, this is where the gold is. So I uh, didn't see the gold panner coming, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so there's always something that, that's, uh, that's going to be a challenge within an event this size. You know, I have 27 permits in place just to do the world's this year for the youth. And, and that's getting 27 people to agree on the same thing all at once. And, and that's a challenge. So, uh, I hope, I hope this year, um, the, I haven't seen it coming. Things have passed because, uh, they're always going to show up sooner or later. How fun. Well, yeah. how about tips or tricks for the sport? You know, quite a lot about fly fishing, obviously. Oh, yeah. So give us, if you had to tell someone, try this, what would it be? I, um, I certainly tell people that are, that are new to it, to don't get overwhelmed by the number of flies in the fly shop. There's all those flies are in the fly shop because at one point they caught each of those flies that had a good day, a good enough day to, to get them tied up and sold. But there's also a lot of flies there that are there not to catch fish, but to catch fishermen. <laughs> all right. And so with that in mind, I tell people color and size. You know, what bugs are flying around? Are they light colored or are they dark colored? Okay. Well, that's kind of easy to see. Um, are they big? Are they small? Well, okay, so now I need something dark and kind of big, or maybe I need something light-colored and, and teeny. Dumbing it down makes it easy. Now, we can certainly play match the hatch and get the caddis pupa perfect size matching the, the hatch underwater that's going on. And there's a time and place for that. But that's deep knowledge on how, what's going, you know, what bugs are cycling through their life cycle at some moment in time when you step on the water. That's tough. So sticking with the easy pheasant tails and hare's ears for nymphing is always a trick. It's one of the European guys sat me down and showed me nothing but pheasant tails. You know, we have all the pheasant tails that we use here in the States and his box was nothing but that. I was like, okay. These guys aren't using tons of different flies. They're using the most common flies in a variety of sizes. Well, that made it more simple for me. And then I learned that, you know what? You can fish the right fly the wrong way and you're not going to catch anything. And I can fish the wrong fly the right way and catch fish. So certainly fly selection is, is always a challenge, but you can dumb it down to very few choices. You can also take the way you fish and dumb that down into a much more simpler form, which I, which I enjoy, which is the short lining European techniques. Here our traditional Western methods are throwing a lot of line out there and mending the heck out of it, putting three, four, eight pieces of split shot at some type of giant floaty strike indicator. And there's a lot of gear in the water with the traditional methods here in the West. What happens when that, that fish bites that fly it, and it pulls on it, that pull has to go through all the pieces of split shot, up this giant leader, through some type of thingamabob or some type of strike indicator, then down your rod into your hand. It's a lot of traveling. And what the Europeans do, and I thought this was all because of FIPS. There's no strike indicator. There's no split shot. 
It's very clean from reel to fly. There's nothing in between. And it's very light tippet. I thought that was just how these comp guys fished in Bosnia because the water isn't as uh, public. There's no public access. You have to pay a, a fee to get on. They said one fly to me. They knew that in English. And so right there I'm fishing our competition rules on this river in Bosnia, catching grayling. And it dawned on me that these rules aren't from some committee, but it's based on the watersheds there in Europe, which are beat down and have been used for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years that they don't allow a lot of gear and they want people that are fishing. It's always catch and release and to use as little gear as possible. So if you break off, there's less litter and less material in the water. Ha! That's why we're fishing these rules because this Fitz Moosh comes out of Europe. thought that was very interesting how, how all that works. So back to how do you expand your bag of tricks? I tell everybody to go get George Daniels' book on short line nymphing and learn how to reduce your impact uh, on your line and you'll catch a lot more fish because you'll feel every little nibble from them. Take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> I'll tell you what, what's funny to me is that there's tons of folks that, that are jumping on this because when I go out and fish with my buddies, they're like, why are you out catching me? I said, well, it's because I have less line out. I'm able to feel the fish quicker and I'm using a lighter rod. Um, if you start fishing the, the competitive circuit, you see lots of three weight rods and, and very light, wispy rods. That's just so you can fish six X and, and feel the delicate nature of these fish just nibbling on. When you have a heavy, you know, five or six weight and a lot of gear on there and, and, and heavy line, the fish has really got to yank it for you to feel it. So what happens is you just start catching more fish than your buddies. Then they, they start to move into trying to see what you're doing. <laughs> so does that answer that a little bit? Yeah, I think so. What I gathered out of that is that you're saying that the fish... They take that fly, and once it's in their mouth, they realize it's not real. They're going to spit it out pretty fast. So right. you've got to be able to know when the fish takes the fly so that you can get the hook in place and bring the fish in. Absolutely. And that's back to people say, oh, it's comp fishing. It's Czech nymphing. It turns out there's Czech nymphing. There's French nymphing. There's there's the Irish method. There's a Spanish method. There's all these different methods. At the end of the day, um, you combine that, it's really just really aggressive shortlining. And shortlining just means your line is going from the tip just straight down into the water, no big bend in the line, that you're just right on top. And it's really amazing to find out how many fish that you catch at your feet, 10 feet out, not 20, 30, 40 feet, certainly not, right there at your feet. You know, to learn to fish the water you walk through on the way to that good hole, Turns out there's another four fish there. Nice. Um, there's, there's lots of nuances because we're all doing the same thing. When, when we stand up, we all look like we're wearing the same gear and using the same rods. It's just there's a more subtle method that comes out of Europe based on the waters that they have to fish there. Neat. So those are definitely some good tips for people that are trying to learn how to catch more fish. That's pretty cool. Well, and when I, you know, every now and then I still guide for people um, up at the lodge and I call it a light hand. Um, we all grew up swinging bats and, and racquetballs and tennis rackets and hockey sticks. And everyone's, it's all about power and swing. And then if you start fishing bass and, and, and coarse water, warm water, you're on heavy line and treble hooks. And you can just, you know, pull back just like, you know, 
swinging a bat and, and, and hook that fish. And you watch them on TV, just bouncing them up onto the, the body of a bass boat. And man, there's a lot of action going on there. Fly fishing, trout's got a soft mouth. Um, uh, we're using really lightweight, three, four, five pound weight tippet. You know, the, the hooks are, are teeny. We fish completely with barbless hooks. In, in the championships, you can no longer pinch your barbs or file it down. They have to be on barbless hooks. So you take all those things, you can't rip back. You can't rip the lips. You can't power it. It develops a very light hand. What I found is over all my years of fly fishing and developing a lighter, lighter hand uh, in dealing with these fish, when I go saltwater fishing or I go uh, big game fishing with heavy tackle, I have a lighter hand there. It turns out lets me land a lot more fish because I'm not trying to muscle it. This episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by 180TAC.com. 180TAC manufactures premier backpacking and emergency products. Whether you need a backpacking stove for your week-long trek on the trail or an emergency stove for your bug-out bag, we have the tools you need. Visit www.180tack.com. Hello, race fans. Eric Risen here from Yolo Racing. We are a group of firefighters and friends who compete in the Baja 1000, the toughest off-road race in the world. Every year we do race, we go down and through our charities, Firefighters Without Borders and Vancouver Firefighters Charitable Society, we make donations to needy communities down the Baja through firefighting equipment such as Jaws of Life. Last year we attempted to donate a completely outfitted pumper truck to a very needy town in La Mission. The truck has made it all the way down to San Diego and is waiting at the border. We are in desperate need of some more sponsorship money to get this vehicle across the border for brokerage fees. We do not have the funds to uh, finalize the transition into there. And the community that is expecting the fire truck is technically unprotected from any catastrophic event such as a wildfire. And we, we, I can't tell you enough how urgent it is to get this vehicle across. We are doing fundraising up here uh, through our Facebook page, through our website. We will be doing a couple other events, but however long it takes us means that's going to be a delay in getting that vehicle across. So if we can raise that money instantly, that vehicle will be donated instantly. So if you can, please help us look for the donation page on our website or our Facebook page, and that's YOLORacing.com or YOLO Racing Facebook page. Thank you very much for all your consideration and support. We appreciate it. I went uh, surf fishing a couple of summers back, and we had a guide there that was teaching us how. I knew nothing about saltwater fishing. So I said, well, hey, if I put my finger on the line, can I feel the fish take the bait? And he goes, no, 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 no. The current's tumbling the weight. It's never going to happen. He says, just, you know, if you get a fish on, you'll realize he's going to try to take off or something. And I thought, hmm. So I put my hmm. put my finger on the line, and tiny little spot fish, just a panfish size, 
Yeah. Took the bait, and it changed the vibration of the line. I immediately felt it and pulled a fish in, and I was catching more fish than anybody, and it was the opposite of what the guide said because of the light hand that you just mentioned. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I had the same thing uh, down in Mosquito Lagoon uh, by the uh, Space Center in, in Florida fishing for redfish. And uh, the guy was very uh, apprehensive uh, for the fly rod because he's, he's used to light tackle and, and cracking crabs and throwing live shrimp and so on. And um, I hooked a, just a monster redfish, like four feet long, and played him and played him and let him run and did not break off and finally landed that fish. And he was like, holy cow. <laughs> That's and I, and I said, well, it took a little bit of time, but we didn't muscle it. And I've got that hero picture, you know, several places. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, but again, light hand. And, and, and again, fly fishing, it cuts over to all the other disciplines in fishing. You know, I always like to tell people, if you can fly fish, the other stuff's easier because it's made for heavier action. Fly fishing with a light hand, I think that's the toughest way to fish. So do you have any discounts or special promotions involved around this uh, fly fishing tournament that you have coming up, the World Youth Fly Fishing Championship? Absolutely. You know, the World uh, Championship, August 10th through 16th, coming up in three weeks. Um, we provide our, our volunteers certainly a, an incentive with a uh, an attendee bag, a uh, gift bag. And what we like to do there is give them a T-shirt, hat, and pen, and feed them lunch every day and give them a ticket to the big show at the end. But we also provide them uh, local area shop pro forms. So what happens is, um, if you volunteer with us, you'll, you'll get a form that's for a, um, 30 or 40% discount. And it has a time frame that you need to use it usually by the end of the year at three or four different fly shops. So that way, um, instead of giving you a pro form and you spend that money out of state, it drives you to go visit one of these area shops that are supporting us, gives you an incentive with a discount to purchase Maybe you need waders. Maybe you need a gift. Maybe you need a new rod, a reel, um, something. And, and certainly all these shops have a, uh, a deep understanding of the local waters. And it's great to pick their brain and learn more about the area. So certainly the, the pro forms are good. And then um, all of our volunteers can take advantage of the same lodging rates and discounts that we get for our group. Well, that's cool. So August 10th through 16th. Yes, sir. 14th Phipps Moose World Youth Fly Fishing Championship, August 10th through 16th, hosted in Vail, Colorado. And we'll be fishing the Eagle River, the Colorado River, Dillon Reservoir, and Sylvan Lake. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. So people can volunteer to help control there, and they can get these discounts on fly gear. They can get an amazing introduction to the sport. Uh, sounds like a great opportunity. No, absolutely. And if you go to the website, there's a volunteer tab, and that'll um, have some good information regarding what happens during your day on the water. We're very conscious on comfort, uh, hydration, because um, it's a long day on the water to volunteer and control for us. And then certainly if you sign up, um, my wife Jody, the volunteer coordinator, uh, calls you back directly and goes over uh, where you're going to be and what time you should be there. And then we offer a variety of times for controller training. So if you do want to participate, but you're apprehensive because how do you handle the trout and what's Phipps moosh mean and what's the score sheet and what's a measuring tube and what's a pinched barb and how do I get the hook out of the fish? We answer all those questions for you. And we do that um, every Sunday at the Vales Farmer's Market. And, and if you can make that, um, you can just stop by. It takes about 20 minutes to go through it uh, with you. On the website, there's a short training video on the basics of being a controller. And uh, you can't fit any of that in. There's certainly the hour 
set hour before everybody shows up at the venues where you just show up early and your sector judge, who's in charge of assigning you to your beat and is your support person, will take you through the training as well. So lots of ways to, to get you prepared for your time on the water with these international anglers. Right on. So how about web addresses? How can people find out more information? Um, the youth event is the the acronym for the, the event. So WYFFC 2015. So that's World Youth Fly Fishing Championship, WYFFC2015.com. Or just Google U.S. Youth International Fly Fishing. And for the men's, it's the same idea, WFFC, World Fly Fishing Championship, 2016. So www.wffc2016.com. Okay, we will put those URLs in our show notes so everyone can find information there. Uh, Any other ways that you would like for people to get in touch with you? You know, certainly uh, going to the websites, the, the best way to get my email address, my cell phone is there. And people are welcome to contact directly myself or Jody uh, for event information, um, sponsorship information, participation, um, anything. You know, we, we need volunteers on the water, but we also need volunteers for um, helping us with the opening closing ceremonies, the flag ceremony, the conservation symposium, some of these off-water venue needs. So lots of ways to participate um, if, you, if you don't want to get wet or touch a fish. <laughs> right on. So will you close this out with a funny story? Holy moly, you know it. So, Curtis, you're asking me uh, about where's fly fishing led me. Well, other than, you know, these great friendships and, and able to go anywhere, or literally across the country and have friends to fish with or, or Europe or abroad, it also led me to the Secret Service. Hmm. The Secret Service. The Secret Service. So, so what do fish have to do with the Secret Service? Ex- well, I didn't think anything, but I get I get a phone call, and it's from the Secret Service, and they have a, an ex-president coming to Vail, Colorado last summer, and they had found my information and, and vetted me a little bit without my knowledge through some people um, and decided that maybe President Jimmy Carter should use me as a fishing guide on his trip to Vail early June last summer. <laughs> right on. So I'm actually shaving and a few days later and mid stroke, the phone's ringing and I'm, and I need to get to work and I unknown number and I pick it up and it says, John, is this John Knight? And I said, well, yes, can I help you? And he goes, well, this is President Jimmy Carter and I'm calling you from Georgia. <laughs> I said, well, really? <laughs> and he said, what? Yeah, I, I hear you're going to be taking me out and I want to know what kind of waiters, what kind of rod I need to bring and so on. So for about 10 minutes, me and President Carter, with my face covered with shaving cream, had a chat about rods and, and flies and, and uh, weights of rods and does he need waiters or not. And we had a real nice chat. Holy moly. <laughs> Hang up. And then a couple weeks later, uh, Secret Service comes out to my work and they actually go fishing with me. And they make sure I'm the right guy. And, and they uh, run your background check and all these things. And so it, it, it's all good. And turns out the president's wife is there, Rosalind. And so my son, Jacob, who's been guiding for me up at where I work for a couple of years, I got him on that uh, assignment. And so they vetted both of us and said, yeah, you guys can guide the, the president and first lady. So um, out they come. So a few days later, uh, with the state police, and local police and officials and, and all of these Secret Service guys dressed in their faux fishing outfits so they blend in <laughs> <We're> <laughs> and they keep sp- touching their ear we're spread around and um 
we ended up fishing fishing them um, up on on a lake because it was during runoff and the rivers were blown out from from snowmelt, so we we couldn't get on the rivers. And um, as I did my best to, to keep uh, Jimmy Carter on the fish, my son kept getting the first lady on more fish. So <laughs> um, the, the the president actually got got tickled that that that, that his wife was was tearing it up and, and pulling in fish after fish. So um, we fished them for a while. And, um, I netted one of the president's fish, and it, and it did that thing where you net it, and it spins around. You know, it oh, spun yeah. its head around, and it really got the hook and, and its mouth all in the, the netting. And so I just bend down there next to the president, and I pull out my knife, and I cut a little hole in my net and uh, get the unhooked and release the fish, and, and off we go. An hour later, they're, they're breaking for lunch, and the, and the head Secret Service guy comes up to me and goes, John, you don't pull a knife out next to the president. <laughs> he said it turns out when when i did that um my friends that were there the, the other staff people said they all turned and watched me intently you know with that knife next to that president um taking that fish out of the net and then put it back up and they they had spent enough time with me to feel sort of comfortable with that action but i was told by the secret service you can fish the president but, but you're just gonna have to leave that fish in the net next time because you can't pull a knife out so <laughs> that's that's my uh, that's my bucket list president story. So you pulled a knife on Jimmy Carter. I pulled a knife on Jimmy Carter. I threw you out. Jimmy Carter is a fishy guy. He's got dozens of rods. Loves to talk fishing. Loves to dry. Loves dry flies. Had a, a an ancient rod he's had for fifty something years that he travels with. It was um. You would think he'd have some latest greatest toy. Yeah, it's the old beater rod that had the right flex for him, and, and boy, he enjoyed it. And he'd hook twenty inch rainbows with that and play him in on six X. And um, it was a real pleasure fishing with him. That's great. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much for your time today. Lots of amazing information. I think your introduction to fly fishing for people that weren't aware of the competition and everything is is spot on. This is fantastic stuff. So people, rewind, press play, take notes. John's got you covered. John, thank you very much for being on the show. Hey, Curtis, thank you so much for the opportunity, and we certainly uh, appreciate your help, and I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, in a couple weeks. You bet, and for all of our listeners out there, until the next show, get out there and have some fun. like to be a guest on a future show just go to adventuresportspodcast.com and click the contact us button